AUKUS Nuclear Submarines Keating rebuts domino theory. The right-wing media were lining up to have a piece of Paul Keating over his rejection of government policy to throw their lot in with the Americans and the British by buying nuclear submarines to withstand threats from China. Firstly, Olivia Kaisley from Sky News. Now you've described Foreign Minister Penny Wong and Defence Minister Richard Miles as seriously unwise in this nine-page document. Unlike present players, you haven't received a military briefing on this issue since the mid-90s. Could you be out of touch on this issue? And given you didn't foresee uh, the military build-up uh, from China as well as intimidation of neighbouring countries uh, when you were in office, what makes you so sure China isn't a military threat to Australia? Keating. Because I've got a brain, principally, and I can think, and I can read, you know, and I read every day, you know. I mean, why would China want a threat? What would be the point? They get the iron ore, the coal, the wheat. What, what would be the point of China wanting to occupy Sydney and Melbourne, militarily? And could they ever do it? I mean, could they ever bring the numbers here? It would, it would be an armada of troop ships to do it, you know. So you don't need a briefing from, from, from the dopey security agency we have in Canberra to tell you that. Keating grew up in politics during the American War in Vietnam with all its nonsense about the yellow peril and the domino theory. This was a Cold War fantasy that suggested a communist government like China would quickly lead to communist takeovers in neighbouring states, each falling like a row of dominoes. But the journo from the Australian persisted. Well, so do you just let them carry on with their business, whether that be in the Spratly Islands or wherever you just say, oh, well, they, they don't plan to attack Australia? Keating would have no part of it. Just go on to Google Maps and have a look at it. It's about as big as Centennial Park, about as large as Centennial Park in Sydney. That's what we're talking about here. You know, I mean, you know, Sky News, you've got to, you know, you've got... You've got to dust up your reputation beyond Sky News, you know, and you're probably doing your best to do that. Ben Westcott, the journo from Bloomberg, took up the gauntlet in favour of aggressive US policy towards China. Um, I just wanted to ask, uh, you've talked a lot about uh, orthodox threats, uh, that being an invasion uh, of Australia, but, you know, as my colleagues have set up here, there are many other different types of threats, and particularly for Australia, uh, we're a trading nation, all of our um, wealth comes in a large part from overseas trade, and that's, you know, similarly to the US interest in Asia, a lot of their trade comes from Asia as well. Shouldn't Australia, you know, work with a partner like the US to protect trade which is its main economic interest in the region. Keating responded. This is the United States that would never, ever agree at congressional level to ratify uh, the international uh, the international program on the law of the sea. You realise that, don't you? The US refuse to ratify the law of the sea program, right? So that puts a pretty big hole through that question, doesn't it? Keating is right to be angry with the Americans. The journos at the National Press Club just kept lining up for a beating. Jess Malcolm for, from the Murdoch Press, the Australian, asked... China's submarine fleet is forecast to grow by six nuclear-powered submarines by 2030, and they're building 20 service warships a year, which is even more than the entire Australian fleet. In your opinion, who is being more provocative, Australia or China? What the Chinese do in the building of fleet is not provocation. Why do you use the word provocation? That's the wrong word to be using. 
You know, they're, they're a major state. They have an economy bigger than the United States. They spend about 40% of their national budget on defence. The Americans spend more than the next nine states in the world on defence. So why is it a provocation? Why would you think it's a provocation for a great state like China to build a navy? Andrew Probin from the ABC was little better than his colleagues from Sky News and the Sydney Morning Herald. His question beat the drums of war. Mr Keating, you said before that, um, that China has not threatened Australia, but how do you reconcile that with the fact that um, they have uh, issued sanctions on coal, timber, wine, lobster, barley, Australian products, um, that there has been a uh, debt diplomacy employed among our Pacific neighbours, an encroachment of the South China Sea, an effective annexation of some islands, uh, a huge military ramp-up that, uh, that Laura's asked you about. How is this not, as one Bi a Biden official said this week, undeclared economic and commercial boycott of Australia? I mean, look, look at what we're doing to them and the WTO and all the steel dumping and all the rest of our stuff, you know? I mean, you know, the... the the, in the friction of international politics, these things turn up, but they're not threats. You can't impute threat, meaning, meaning invasion, with putting a, a tariff on wine. I think when Paul Keating talks about steel dumping, he is referring to duty measures imposed by the Australian government on imports of wind towers, deep-drawn stainless steel sinks and railway wheels from China. Grasping at straws, the ABC's Andrew Proven didn't know when to call it quits. His follow-up question was even worse than the first. Mr Keating, cyber attack. The best friend we had in Asia was a, was a former president of Indonesia, Bartu, Yoda Hono, you know. He was the best guy we had barracking for us, you know. Those dopes in ASIS tapped his telephone and that of his wife. Tapped his phone. I mean... This is what states get up to if you let these security agencies, ning-nongs, take control, you know. But you can't impute, as your, as your question imputes, that a, that, that a tax or a tariff on wine or barley is equivalent to, to, to an invasion of the country. China does not threaten Australia, has not threatened Australia, does not intend to threaten Australia. Remember, this all happened after, after um, Maurice Payne, you know, the great non-minister of our time, went on the insiders program and said we're going to have weapon inspection, weapons type inspections of, of Wuhan to find out what was the cause of the virus. It was out of that came all of this, you know. So you can't put a question without contexting it, like, you, know, you know. I mean, contextualisation may not be your long suit, but that's what you should be doing. So what is the context of Paul Keating's attack on the Australian government's decision to buy eight nuclear submarines for $350 billion Australian. The nuclear reactors on the Virginia-class attack submarines under the AUKUS agreement are powered by high-enriched uranium. Australia's uranium may end up being made into nuclear fuel to drive the AUKUS submarines. It was a Labor Party government that voted to continue to mine and export uranium stolen from Aboriginal lands like Jabaluka in the Northern Territory. Mining at Jabaluka was ordered by the Liberal Fraser government in 1977. Labor continued to mine and export uranium from 1983 till 1996 
under the leadership of Bob Hawke and Paul Keating. At no stage has Keating, or any of the people he has condemned, ever come out against Australia's involvement in the nuclear fuel cycle that produces hazardous waste. It is a shame that Keating was not so critical of the United States when he was Prime Minister, when he counted Henry Kissinger as one of his mates. Kissinger, who, with Gerald Ford, gave the OK for Indonesia to invade East Timor in 1975. Keating refuses to criticise the Indonesian government despite the genocide committed by them on Australia's doorstep over the next 25 years. This was his justification when asked about a possible attack from China. Well, look, I've said before many times, Australia's strategic bread is buttered in the Indonesian archipelago. A major attack on them, and the only people that could attack them majorly would be the Chinese, would affect us, whether we liked it or not. And a major attack on us would affect them. So this is why I put the agreement together with Suharto, the attack on any one of us was an attack on all of us. It seems Keating's hypocrisy knows no bounds. The Indonesian invasion that Keating turned a blind eye to ended with the murder of a third of the population of East Timor. I don't agree with Paul Keating's characterisation or caricature of Penny Wong and Anthony Albanese as being from the left. I mean, this, this says something about the left in Australia. Politically, in the Labor Party, I fought the left most of my life, you know, always mostly on behalf of the United States. But the two principal people on the left in Australia are now Anthony Albanese and, 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 and Penny Wong. And what they've done, they, they have, they have uh, uh, essentially accommodated um, the, um, the, the strategic wishes of, of the United States, uncritically. The Labor Party that they grew up in and that Keating led, introduced neoliberalism into Australia, copying the Chicago boys' policies in Latin America. This was disastrous for the Australian economy, as we lost our manufacturing base and became dependent upon countries like China and India to buy our natural resources. Australian coal mining has been a blight on both this country and the world because of climate change. The sale of iron ore has made rich people like Lang Hancock, Gina Reinhart and Twiggy Forrest richer, but has made ordinary workers scarred and poorer. The Labor Party attacked the real wages of Australian workers during the Accord, causing the demise of the trade union movement. It comes as ironic that the generation most affected by this decision has such a little desire to join a union. I wonder how many of the journos so willing to challenge Keating's scathing critique of the government decision, I wonder how many are members of a trade union. On foreign policy, the Labor Party has been both pro-Israel and pro-US. Keating made some big claims about Labor Party foreign policy in the 20th century. He stated, so Labor has got all the big ones basically right in the 20th century. It got... It got right knocking Hughes off over conscription. Um, Curtin got it right in knocking Churchill off over the troops from Burma back to, back to uh, uh, Papua New Guinea, you know, back to Kokoda. Um, Arthur Corwell got it right when he opposed the Vietnam War. 
It was not the Labor Party that defeated the referendum on conscription in 1916. Billy Hughes was still a member of the Labor Party and was a Labor Prime Minister. It was Hughes that resigned from the Labor Party after the referendum was defeated. It was not the Labor Party that sacked Hughes. The Labor Party supported the war against the Axis powers throughout World War I, a war that sent millions of ordinary innocent people to their deaths on both sides. The ALP supported the British trade war against Germany and its allies. The opportunism of the Labor Party that Paul Keating led knows no bounds. The Labor leadership supported the US Gulf War against Iraq in 1991. The Australian government, led by Hawke and Keating, sent naval ships to support the US military campaign against Iraq during the so-called Operation Desert Shield. Previously, the, the US was, had armed Iraq with chemical weapons to attack Iran. When Saddam Hussein overstepped the mark and invaded Kuwait, it was made a British protectorate during World War I, the US government slaughtered Iraqi troops and civilians fleeing Kuwait on the highway of death in 1991. The Australian Labor Party did not support the 2003 Iraq war. Why? Because millions of people mobilised onto the streets and over 64% of Australians were vigorously opposed to that war. Prior to the Iraq war, Keating's Defence Minister Bomber Beasley criticised the Howard government for spending vastly less on defence than he did when he was Defence Minister under Keating. I think we should leave it there. This is Ian Kerr from 4PR Voice of the People. Let's go out with this song, Keating the Musical. In 1993, opposition leader John Hewson faced off against Prime Minister Paul Keating. Dr. Hewson, sit up straight when I'm talking to you, son. The magical light from the radical right. I'm gonna light up the night with a scheme and a dream so bright to sit right back while we fight back. This is called fight back. Me and the G in the right track and we don't stop till we get our way. G-S-T, okay, hey, oh, hey, oh. A G-S-T, this is what you call salvation to whack taxation over the nation. This is the bright new plan you bring. 15% on everything I was a stick-up kid for the capital gains But the feeling wanes when you grow some brains Poor laws and the homies say GST, no way! No! Nay! No way! We're 20 points up and we're off the charts We don't need you and your bleeding hearts The poor and sick will have a trickle to suck But if you give them a hand they just drag you back into the muck why you're born to lose, you get stuck in the shit in your shiny shoes. You're gonna get blown away, cause you can't play like Dr. J. You can't play like Dr. J, no way! You can't play like Dr. J, no way! No, you can't play like Dr. J! No, you can't play like Dr. J! Oh no, they sent the doctor to get us. It's like being flogged with warm lettuce and cabbages. The feral abacus come to savages, he must be ravenous, ravenous. Mr. Mediocrity from the Bunyip aristocracy. The member for Wentworth should be in bed. He's like a lizard on a rock, alive but looking dead. Old Dozy knows when I've got him because he always turns around when I drop one on him. It's something he can't psychologically handle. Him and his band of constitutional vandals, drones and pansies, frauds and mugs, 
blackguards, harlots, pigs and thugs You mindless, stupid, foul-mouthed grubs He couldn't even raffle a chook in a pub You barnyard bullies, crimson ghouls, dullards, dimwits, ninnies, clowns and fools And born to rules, over here we're born to rule you You dishonest creature almost make me spew Loopy intellectual hobos, brain damaged dummies and desperados Hairbrained hillbilly cheats, cheats, cheats Well they'll always be cheats, cheats Useless, motley, corporate crooks and plots Stun mullet, rust bucket, box heads Scumbags and alley cats You wanna fight back, fight back, fight back from that! You bloody... <laughs> well alright you think you got it made? Let the game be played. Why are you so afraid? He's got the cheek to critique and shriek that we're weak. Let the people decide. Let the public speak. Make a correction. Call an election. Show us your miraculous resurrection. The people hate me and you're so great. So why you want to make me wait? Because I want to do you slowly. Holy moly. I want to turn you inside out. Upside down and round about Wrap you up like ravioli A roly-poly Then it'll feel so right On election night Make it right, make it feel so right Ooh, that's right On election night on election night No, gonna make me feel alright On election night On election night